0: You're fusing together all of the primal needs, you know, without one, like none of them work. So if you don't have your diet in place, exercise isn't going to work for shit. If you don't have your rest and recovery in place, none of the others are going to work. If you're not happy, then forget doing any of the other stuff, like forget it. And if you're not working on yourself, like inner work and taking responsibility for that, then why invest in all of the other work? It's just, you know, you're asking for Groundhog's Day.
1: That's Sarah Gustafson, and this is episode 268 of Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. In this podcast, we go down to the primal self, the essence of who we actually are as a man or a woman. We're understanding the primal self, both physically and emotionally, and of course, How this primal self, this connection relates to us, losing body fat, having more energy and feeling our most vibrant health from the director of women's health and the ambassador of authenticity at Primal Fusion, Sarah Gustafson. You know, Sarah, she is this visionary. She's also a thought leader. I got to meet with this woman live here in my apartment in Encinitas on my couch and this truth seeking provocateur literally sparks transformation when she speaks she's a life coach in austin texas and she gives very unique holistic wellness programs across the world this episode rocked my socks i actually don't wear socks but if i wore them they would have flown off (laughs) sitting down with sarah because this woman has really done her inner work she has this mastery around being in the present moment this skill Of presence. You're going to feel in-depth from Sarah as we explore everything from her immune system health issues she's overcome in life that led her to be a powerful healer and coach for others, the mindset of victimization or victor, the rapid growth we're seeing in the media, online, across the world, really, the demasculinization of men, men being demasculinated by the Me Too conversation, as well as so much more. We also discover what Sarah calls STDs, spiritually transmitted diseases (laughs) including spiritual bypass spiritual materialism spiritual narcissism and spiritual activism we're talking about how we can break through the modern world with its prescription medicines addictions and outside influences that numb and distract and really cloud our thinking to embody what she calls primal fusion this is the bridging of the ancient world with the modern world And in the modern world, we could all use a deep breath. So before you go any further, this is your breath break. You've earned it. This might be the entire time today that you get reminded to take a deep belly breath. So let's do this together. First, wherever you are, exhale all your air out of your mouth. Now, inhale for five seconds. Big breath. Fill your belly, then your chest. At the top of your big breath, hold it. Feel how good it feels for that breath to push against your diaphragm, to fill your belly and your chest. Now breathe it out slowly for five seconds. And just know you can do that at any time. Inhale for five, hold for five, exhale for five. And pause for five. These deep breaths, if you're angry, if you're stressed, if you're in a fight with your spouse, if you're in traffic behind some car that smells like diesel, you can go there. You can take a deep breath. It is therapy. It is medicine. It is always there. Do not forget, you always have your breath break. And if you can breathe, you can choose. This is why it's tattooed on my arm in Italian. Se posso respirare, posso scegliere." Which means if I can breathe, I can choose. Because for a long time in my life, I did not have the proper tools to deal with stress and anxiety. My anxiety actually used to own me. And if you're listening right now, if you're dealing with stress and anxiety that feels like it owns you, I have helped thousands of people, introducing them to breath work and meditation and presence into their lives with the M21 guide, this morning 21-minute guide. I want to give it to you for free. If you're this person, if this resonates to take that first step in controlling stress management, to learn about breath work in this guide, you're going to get a week long breath work challenge, as well as six science backed morning practices that are guaranteed by research to increase your vibration and frequency throughout your entire day. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. That's wellnessforce.com forward slash M21 and download your free guide today. Now let's drop in for this exciting conversation recorded on my couch. That's how it's going to feel for all of us together, having this deep dive with the one and only Sarah Gustafson. You're fascinating, which is why, by the way, thank you for being in my house. Yeah. I I appreciate you coming here. Thanks
0: for welcoming in me into your house. Oh, yeah.
1: We were already looking at my grandma's cannolis and um, the original vitology book from 1907. (laughs) And uh, we're both just like appreciating the fact that we're just one layer in these thousands and thousands of layers before us and then thousands that'll come after us.
0: Yeah. It's so fascinating.
1: It's so interesting. Like why are we even here? And I I talk about this on the show all the time. Like what is actual consciousness, you know? Yeah. And you actually, you speak from a different place that a lot of women I found online don't speak from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it, really, it really moved me because I thought, here's a woman that she's obviously fitness-minded, wellness-minded, but yet you have this other side of you. That's this women raise hell brand. Mm-hmm. And it's about like really speaking the divine feminine right now, where yep. she actually is. Not where she was a hundred years ago, maybe not even a hundred years from now, but like literally in this moment. Right. And I, I wrote down some definitions because I just wanted to jam with you. Okay. Um, the first definition I would love to hear is what, what actually do you believe that the feminine is now? Like when people say the word feminine.
0: Feminine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. F- feminine, I believe, is um, nurturing. Balancing, duality, being able to receive, and it's endurance, right? It's being able to encompass and work to support uh, communities. And I really think the one word that stands out is nurturing, is, is feminine. And that's the one thing that has always been so much so hard for me to attach and connect to with being feminine because I'm I'm very much in the animus of, of a, being a masculine woman and um, nurturing has been difficult for me, especially like, and I have three girls, I have three daughters, three kids. But I think that's really what defines a woman: is we nurture, we cre- we're creative, and we grow things and we build things, right? And so, whereas the men, right, they they are the inventors, and the women are like the the feminine energy is the, what helps breathe in the creation of that and nurturing that and the capability of breathing the fire and energy into that becoming something and so with the
1: Kali energy
0: right so without that it can't ever be something and so feminine is just like looking outside and and seeing the the trees blowing in the wind right and the masculine is the tree standing firm in it that's Mm. what I think of
1: that is a really cool definition (laughs) <laughs> because no it's, it's funny in my men's groups one of my leaders used to say you know our work is to be the oak mm-hmm. to, to stand tall and be the oak um, not to be the oak bends in, in the breeze the oak doesn't just stay there rigid and firm like the trees and the branches move around so I feel like part of being a man especially in this age right now is being surrendered to a man's own feminine quality yeah and that right there that one little part is I think the the biggest learning curve yeah. We had um, boys and Hodgson on the show. He's the founder of the mankind project. And he said that right now women's empowerment happens so quickly that we haven't had time as men to grieve the death of the old masculine.
0: I agree. And I love that guy.
1: Yeah, yeah he's
0: great. And that's true. Like, because I think there were so many stages of, of women's movements that there wasn't really a, like a time or, or, or space within each, you know, movement for men or women to adjust or process that because there was the the revolution in the 60s and then there was the 80s and then there was the early 2000s and with with each movement there was like this theme uh, you know attached to each movement and in each theme they totally just emasculated men in new and different ways and men just kind of had to like hang their head and put their tail between their legs and deal with it and it was there was no grieving, there was no processing, there was no ceremonial, like, well, this is the way it is now.
1: (laughs) There was no ceremony to pass the power so that we all equally can thrive. No. It was just like, here it is, this is the new construct, deal with it. Yes. And it was very quick, I think, very abrupt.
0: And it showed up as like caricatures in TV shows and in the media and advertisements and commercials, and it just... It became almost like a joke with each movement.
1: Do you have a sense that the reason that it spikes so quickly, like we see Boss Babe and Boss This and like all this like, like really almost angry? Not, not that all yeah. Boss Babe brands are angry. I'm not saying that. But there's almost like this pain body that Toll talks about where when there's a ripple in the water, I feel like we're experiencing the pain body still rippling from when women were treated like property.
0: Yeah, I think it's still there. I still have it. Yeah. I still have it. And case in point, you know, my partner and I, Alex, we got in a fight this morning. The dumbest fight. And we get in fights a lot. I mean, that's where the passion is in a relationship and we can talk about that later without it. Th- th- what, what relationship is there? Yeah. And, um,
1: Conflict is part of relation. Yes. It's, and it's, it's, it's healthy.
0: I think we talked about it uh, in one of the chats or something on, online at one point. It's like mm-hmm. love is supposed to be hard. that It is supposed to take work. And a lot of people kind of just ditch it and move on. Um, but so we had a fight this morning. And so for context, uh, talking about this angst thing is that he made a comment about like, well, I'll take the car and then I'll bring it back. Whereas like he could have just taken an Uber. And I was like, well, that's kind of silly. Why not just take an Uber and I'll drive? He said, well, I'm concerned about, you know, you getting in and out of the the garage. And for him, he was saying that in a loving way. But for me, I received that, feminine receiving. (laughs) I received that as, so he just doesn't think I can fucking get a car out of the garage. <laughs> right. I can just date 3 human beings and have my body split in half and raise children and start businesses and sell companies and do all these things, but I can't reverse a car out of a garage. Like so those are all the thoughts going on in my my head and all those patterns that come up. So yeah, that angst still resides in me today. Mm. So much so that I am unable to receive what the message was that he was actually trying to to provide for me, which was you, you're you're going to have three kids alone by yourself. You're you know they're all going to be yelling and blah, blah blah blah. And it is it's like a tiny tight garage space, and he was just trying to make things easier for me.
1: Yeah,
0: that's it. And we got in this fight, and I'm just huffing and puffing. So yeah, there's that angst. The ripple is still there yeah, and it does interfere. And so I do feel like there's a lot of that messaging going on and I recognize it also in myself still to this day, but I see it and it's in this, um, what I call spiritual activism. And I don't call it, I didn't make this up. The, I forgot. Spiritual who, activism. Yes. There's what I refer to as STDs, spiritually transmitted diseases. The common one people talk about is spiritual bypass, then there's spiritual materialism, then there's spiritual um bypass materialism,
1: bypass materialism, and then there's one more. We know about bypassing. Like yes. we've talked about bypassing a lot on the show, like people that say good vibes only. Yes. Which doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't think that ever will exist. and uh, right. there's the material What's spiritual materialism?
0: Spiritual materialism, it's basically when you kind of project that any sort of spiritual practice or thought or belief is going to save you or get you to that thing, that that epiphany, that divinity, that whatever. But really, you're using that to protect your ego. And so, you avoid anything outside of that. So, it's really actually just ego-driven.
1: Can you give us an example? Yoga. Mm-hmm.
0: People who go to yoga because they believe that that makes them
1: more spiritual. Oh my god! Or church. This is like what J.P. Sears jokes about. Yes, you know right? it <laughs> he's, is. He's wearing like the tights. He's like exactly this, this outfit's way more spiritual than yours. Right. You know this. You can tell.
0: Right. Or having crystals all over the place because they yeah. make you more spiritual. <sighs> or only the wearing purple. The ego hides behind
1: that. I've right. never heard of that before. It's such right. a cool concept. Yeah. Wow. What was the third one? So there's the materialism, there's the bypassing, and then there's another one.
0: That was the one I was just, I had a a brain fart. Where did it go? Here it is.
1: We'll come back to it.
0: Uh, Activism.
1: Oh, spiritual activism. So that's
0: Yes, that was the one I actually had written it down. That's where the- I love that you
1: brought notes. This is awesome.
0: I was writing notes this morning. I was just, um, so spiritual activism is what a lot of these women's movements do. And activism is still a form of violence. Because you're segregating, you're you're dividing. You're this is right, this is wrong, this is me, this is them. Um, I'm kind of like the holier than thou, or my belief against your belief. And so, you know, it's rather than deciding that like my truth versus your truth, because one truth could have just as equal of a truth as the other truth. So. You're not asking yourself that. You're dividing yeah. it. So, What about
1: these people that say, look, I'm going to speak my truth right now? It, it, that can also be an excuse for them to be kind of mean or a jerk or, or hurtful to the other person, and they'll yep. hide it by saying, this is my truth. If you don't accept my truth, well, that's, that's your problem. It's my truth. That's it's
0: spiritual like narcissism.
1: Spiritual narcissism. That's another STD. Okay. So this is what I see a lot. We're here in the Encinitas bubble and I'm sure you're going to be here for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Like another week. So you're going to see people that wear like the big crystal Mm -hmm. and they walk around and you're going to be like, wait a minute, is is he, is he doing activism? Is he like materialist for spiritual? But there is a lot of men and women here that I've met and um, there's beautiful people here. I'm not, I'm not dousing Encinitas with hate. I love Encinitas that's why I live here. But I do sense when I come across certain people that they're, there is this holier-than-thou, like I'm more spiritual than you, this narcissistic component. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that too much in Austin. What's it like in Austin?
0: There's little little bubbles here and there in Austin for sure. Yeah, Austin is still very young. Uh, California, especially Southern California, is, is like, uh, man, they've been here for a long time. And it's really hard when you're this close to the Pacific Ocean to not have that spirituality kind of like really flood through you um so i feel like it's been here for a while austin's still pretty new like since maybe the 70s a lot of the san francisco people kind of came into austin and that they were the original hippies in the 70s and and then the hipsters came so it's still new there's not a lot of uh spiritual elitism in austin yet
1: it feels like it's a sister city though like sandy like encinitas and austin yeah they feel like they're, they're sometimes walking on the same frequency.
0: Yeah, because there's a lot of California transplants in Austin. Yeah. And so it's very, very Southern Cali in, in Austin. They call it the uh, um, the Blue Island in the middle of the Red Sea because Texas is pretty widely known as very conservative state, but Austin is very not.
1: Did you grow up in Texas?
0: In Austin. Oh, you grew up in Austin? Mm Mm-hmm, since I was 10. Born and raised? Not born. I was born in Kansas and then lived in Virginia. And then when I was 10, moved to
1: Austin. When you were young, did you have health issues or were you a pretty healthy kid? Oh,
0: no, I was sick since I was seven.
1: What were you sick with?
0: So I just had a really shitty immune system. No one really knew what was wrong with me. Um, when I moved to, and now this was a spiritual thing, because it kind of- Isn't
1: everything we do spiritual, kind pretty of? Pretty much. <laughs> Whether we know it or not?
0: Yeah, very very much connected to that. Um when I was seven or eight and we lived in Virginia, my sister was in a car accident and my mom kind of sent me away for a month so she could take care of my sister. It was very, very severe. And some things happened to me when I went to stay with this family. And on a very soul level, I learned that I don't want to be sent away. So when I got back with my family, sure enough, I developed an, an autoimmune issue. And like clockwork, I was developing these chronic infections so bad that I had become resistant to antibiotics. So I got this ear infection that was resistant to all antibiotics and it traveled to my brain and I had to be put into the uh, ICU. And when I was recovered from that by age eight, Since then, I was just always sick. So from eight until 21, I was just every three months I had really bad viruses, infections, you name it. Uh, I suffered from migraines, everything. But because antibiotics didn't work for me, they had to put me on steroids. And you know what steroids does to a kid? Did you take
1: prednisone? Yep. Yes, this is what happened to me. We have a very similar childhood. Seven years old though. Zero through seven is where we get all the imprinting. Yeah. So right at the edge of your of your seven year window you were getting life is hard. This is rough. Like your nervous system must have been. Yeah. I'm always trying to to catch up,
0: always trying to catch up with my peers. I'm always trying to catch up with work, school, and I loved soccer, but, um, I was always missing practices, always missing games. So I was kind of felt like the outsider. So yeah, I was just always, always sick and we were always moving. So I was always the new kid on top of that. Military family? No, my dad was a salesman. Oh, okay. What was he selling? Uh, He was in the semiconductor industry. Oh, okay. So whatever country that he was most at, like Spain or Japan, we were moving to the state that got him the best flights, so whatever airport he needed to be at. Um, So we finally made it to Texas, and that's, you know, that we stuck here for the most
1: part, or there.
0: And so, yeah, I was just always, always sick, and prednisone- fucks your development up
1: prednisone bad prednisone crushes you yeah. uh anybody that that's had issues when they're a child knows that when the gut microbiome is altered early it sets up an adult life of just challenges yeah like challenges that i don't think a lot of people understand
0: yeah bad so what types
1: of challenges you go through when you're a teenager though because Childhood, I mean, oh zero through seven, that's, that's hard enough, but yeah. then to have those health issues when you're like, first day of high school, I feel like crap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's going oh on? Oh
0: my God. Yeah, no, I was, uh, so and years of antibiotics and then years of prednisone, I was just like, especially the awkward years of, of middle school, like I had the worst acne. I mean, like I didn't want to leave my house. I begged my mom to homeschool me. There was hardly a spot on my face that wasn't just a bright red dot. I mean, I, not enough makeup could like cover it. It was so embarrassing, so mortifying. I ballooned up, like I was an active kid as much as I could be, but I, I ballooned up, gained weight. And it wasn't like, pudge it was just like bloat and so it was everywhere like my chin my face my cheeks around my eyes and um I was just so awkward I had migraines my my skin my fingernails were like you know it looked like It made me look like I had 80 year old hands and nails. And uh,
1: this is not confidence building for high school.
0: No, no, no. It's it's (laughs) terrible. It's terrible. And on top of that, I I felt like very hypersensitive to all the emotions, feelings, and thoughts of people around me, too. And um, I had always been that way. And I had always been very creative. And that, I went to, my parents were you know, Evangelical Lutheran and so very conservative and I was the youngest of four. So like compounding on top of feeling super awkward, I was also kind of expected to be very like, very good. Have and very, your shit together. Yeah. Best
1: foot forward. Yeah. yeah. Don't,
0: don't express yourself. Wow. This
1: is like a cocktail for internal <laughs> pressure. It's like, yeah. okay, look a certain way. Everything's okay. Whatever happened in childhood, just deal with it. And you're in high school. Don't and wear your you hair
0: like that. Don't health wear symptoms.
1: Yeah. So at what point did you just finally hit the bottom? Because I, I'm feeling all this energy from you and I'm like, there's gotta be a bottom where you said enough is enough.
0: Yeah, there was a bottom. I mean, cause like I kind of skipped over all the bullying that I'd gone through.
1: Were you overweight in high school too?
0: I wasn't like, you said you like over, I was like really poofy and like kind of chunky. And then I lost a ton of weight when I got sicker and sicker. But like in middle school, um, they redrew the district lines. And so the, we, I was bused out into an inner city school. So there was like one busload of white kids who were kind of privileged middle class who went to an inner city school. And that was like recipe for Disaster. Of course, mm. I was kind of excited because I have like lots of empathy, but no, they were not. I had, um, I was got beat up all the time, punched in the back of the head, hair pulled, uh, all the time. Cause these kids didn't like my privilege. They hated my privilege. I got thrown down the stairs. I was stabbed in the knee one time cause one kid was mad. I wouldn't let him copy my test. Um, And um, yeah, I was stabbed in seventh grade. And then um, by 10th grade, I was sexually assaulted. And that's when the bottom went out. It was like only a month or two after my best friend was killed in a car accident. And I just wasn't getting the support I needed from my family. And because that was sort of like keep it hush-hush, put it under the rug. A lot of the kids who went to my school also went to our church. And if everybody finds out, like, oh, my gosh. So it just seemed like everything in me, all of the voices inside of me had been repressed and suppressed for so long. And I was just like, fuck all of this. No, I'm done. I went to my school counselor. I said, I need to do something. So that's when I started this program and worked with her and some other counselors in the other schools called Teens Against Dating Violence. Mm. And once a week or every two weeks, we all go to different schools and talk with girls about dating violence or what, it's, what it looks like to have healthy relationships. And then a year later, I was on Oprah. Talking about this. Wait,
1: hold the hold the tape. You were on Oprah.
0: Yeah, when I was sixteen. This
1: is so cool. This yeah. is why I love getting to know people live on a podcast. <laughs> like I didn't know that about you. Yeah. What was that like going into Oprah? And, and did you have to share what happened?
0: Yes. Yes. And it, this what did pin- that make you feel? I w- I was very nervous, but I was also like this. Is what feels right for me. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to share my experience so that I can help other people. And I also knew that this couldn't have been more of a nightmare for my mom. (laughs) Her her
1: greatest fear. Right. Brought to life. Right. Not just in the community, but on Oprah.
0: (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) like putting all our dirty laundry out (laughs) there. The whole world. Right. But I knew that this was my truth. This is me being authentic and sharing my experiences. Like, this is this was my journey. This is what I'm supposed to do.
1: Oh, well, this is probably the energy that I felt from you in that first video that I saw with you and Allison. like you speak from this place of it's a knowing, but it's not, it's not a facetious knowing. I'm not saying like, Oh, you're, you're, you're pompous or anything, or you're holier than thou. I'm saying, I don't know. You have this, you have this quality, you have this um, like feminine leadership quality to you. And now I understand where it comes from a little bit better. Yeah. But I'm curious, like when you're on Oprah, to now, what made what what about you made you choose not to be angry forever at the masculine?
0: Well, yeah. So that's that's just the thing. I don't know exactly what it was. And you say knowing, which is funny because I always called it my knower. That just there's this thing in me that just yeah. It's, I called it my knower.
1: It's not a cocky. It's just like a calm knowing.
0: It's um almost like this entity that hangs out with me that tells me it's a knower. So the individual who did assault me, I just I was not ever really angry at him. I was more so, because I just, I've always been empathetic. Like I said, I've, I've always been very sensitive to people's energies, their thoughts, their feelings. And um, that's also been a great weakness of mine as well. Because it's not that I excuse what they do, it's just that I understand why people do what they do. Always. And that, that, you know, everybody in my family and, and, you know, teachers, mentors have always warned me that that's going to get you run over all the time. That's gonna You're going to get taken advantage of. People are going to use you. And they have, you know, many, many times. But that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is understanding the collective, understanding the whole, understanding the all. And I'm a part of that. And so whether I'm a victim of something I also have to understand I have victimized others as well. And as a product of being a victim, I then victimize men. As a product of that, because I emasculated myself in order subconsciously, in order to make myself not attractive to men, because I thought that would make me safe. So I went out on this whole thing of making myself very masculine, bodybuilding, make myself look tough. I walked around with this like look on my face. Um, Is this what
1: they say? It's called like resting bitch face.
0: Yes. I just always look like I was mad. If a guy looked at me, I just like keep looking straight forward. That's emasculating. That's like, you know, if a guy tried to talk to me and be nice, I'd roll my eyes or like, you know, and walk away. And I did that for many, many years. And I look back and it like almost breaks my heart now because, you know, in my head, I was just making myself firmly believe they just wanted to fuck me. That's it. That's all they all want. And that was just my anger convincing me of that. That's just survival. That was just the limbic yeah. system just making me,, you know, you're just you need to survive. But in, in the consequence of that was I hurt a lot of men. And when I came to that realization after my divorce with my, with my ex-husband, that was a terrible divorce and it was very painful. And I left that divorce feeling very victimized again. But I said, you know, like when I went through a lot of healing process of that, even though he did a lot of things that are not excusable, I had to ask myself, and this is where women have a hard time, right? Like with healing is being brutally honest with yourself. Especially if you feel like a victim. Because when you're a victim or you feel like a victim, is you asking questions like, "How did I participate in this? How um, how was I involved in these things?" And that's very hard when you're feeling like you've been oppressed. And when I've really came into these realizations and looked back at how badly I hurt my ex-husband, how badly I emasculated him, how badly he must have felt when my kid would ask me to open the jar instead of him Mm. and saying things like, mommy has the muscles, not you, and things like Mm. that because, Mm. and I would laugh, you know? And it was just, you know, it just made me really spend, several years diving into the masculine and the feminine to yeah. really understand that. And I came and looked at myself in the mirror and, and said, like, I'm no longer going to do that.
1: Researching and diving into masculine and feminine is one thing. Embodying your lessons is another. So, yeah. so it's obviously you're a researcher. Oh my! You're a scholar. Like you love. We talked. You know about. We love history. We love the story. We want to know why. Like why does it happen? Yes. But but embodying is such a different skill set. Yes. Such a different intelligence. So what did you embody specifically to to move through the anger and let the anger go towards the masculine?
0: That's the hardest part, really, is to sit with your feelings and to be, because it's not comfortable. So I, you know, four years of letting myself feel things. It was a new experience for me. And we're talking no drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. You just have to feel it. That's it.
1: No excessive working out. No. No, no excessive shopping. Nope. No I, watching Netflix for 20 days. Straight.
0: I didn't work out. I didn't train. No drugs. No nothing. And um, I mean, it like, if anything's going to make you grow or or turn you insane that's it <laughs> right. because so many people you know i mean that will look at our culture you know we've got prescriptions for xanax prescriptions for you know anxiety depression everything you 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 can think of that that will numb the the cry of our bodies is telling what what, what our body's trying to tell us right like here's here's a pill for that or here's a bar to go to to do this, or here's an activity to, you know, swallow everything up and distract yourself from that. And so, getting myself out of that, which is, you know, and one thing that I've always done is dive into books and dive into learning and dive. In, like I spent
1: 12 years in university, and that can be a distraction of its own. That's
0: an addiction. Like, hey,
1: I'm a, I'm a I'm a study freak. All I do is study, but I never actually take the words and apply them to real life.
0: Paul Check put me on a three month fast of no learning. Like I'm not allowed to learn anything for three months because I'm so addicted to like reading studies and research and learning. This stuff. is what's
1: going on with the paleo community right now. Everybody wants to talk about FDN and what's going on with the microbiome and are you methylating properly and blah, blah. blah. It's like, hold on, are you sleeping at yes. night? Like, yes. let's go back to the basics always. Yes. But, but Yen, to go back to, to this releasing trauma and anger towards the masculine. I don't know what it's like to be a woman and I don't know what it's like to be a woman that's been, you know, perpetrated against by a man, but I can only imagine how visceral that coding might be, like how visceral down that might go. So for the people listening, for the women listening, that maybe sense inside of them, there's still that edge, that anger towards the masculine, like, could you give them guidance or a process? I know this is part of what you do with primal fusion on one side of the health equation.
0: So, yeah. So if you've, felt like you've been so it well if you have been a victim whether it's you know physically or through violence or of of anything really like you are going to have a visceral uh programming in you like that's just part of the limbic brain we have three brains actually you know the neocortex the limbic brain and then the the the, you know subcortex is you so you have the thinking brain the the doing brain and the being brain and the doing brain is the one that's That's the visceral and that's the sensual. That's what makes our experiences, you know, gives it meaning. And so that's the one that's going to remind you like, oh, you smell something that reminds me of this or a song that reminds me of this. And so that's the one that's the hardest to like deprogram. Yeah. And. Same for the thought. So if you have an emotion that comes up, that emotion can remind you of something else that may not have anything to do with the thing. (laughs) And so then the programmed thoughts will then come up and you may not have control of that. So my my advice is brutal honesty. And so that's why I say women who raise hell. The reason I say that is not the angst it's not to have women go out there and, and protest and, and burn flags and bras. It's about raising your own hell inside yourself. It's about turning the honesty inside yourself, raising your own, you know, turning inwards and, and burning that down.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, I, lo- I love that because when I first read it, I was like, wait, what does she mean women raising hell? Because when I read that, I think like, oh, like women going out and revolting. Mm -hmm. And like possibly burning down buildings. But it's not about that. It's about getting the hell out. Right. Of the pain that may be caused inside.
0: You know, Paul always says, you know, Paul check. He said, you know, what is hell? When he asks, you know, what is hell? Or what is the devil? The devil is, that's that's the thing that lives between your ears. (laughs) Right. Right? And the, the devil, you know, he says, is better than the devil you don't know. And so when I thought of women who raise hell, a lot of people will see that as women go- with angst going out there and, yeah. ah, I'm going to tell Sixth everybody. Who- feminism. Right. But that's who it attracts. It attracts those women, and that's who I want to attract. Mm. That's who I want to talk to, because those are the women who need to hear my message, because then I'm going to flip the coin on them, and that's what I'm going to tell them the truth. The truth, and, and so... That's my point is that's how I address most clients. That's how I address most women is um, I kind of provoke a lot of that. I kind of poke a little bit of the, the, um, the triggers. And I do that first by throwing myself under the bus because I, I don't hold anything back in terms of like what I've been through. I don't um, put on a facade about my, my life. My life is not perfect. My like partner and I, we fight all the time, right? But here's how we get through things. Here's how we look ourselves in the mirror. Here's how we teach each other how to grow and how we get past stuff and why we are so happy in spite of these things. And, you know, I, I've been through all of these challenges and here were my realizations. And I'm very open about that. I don't kind of hide anything. I don't have shame about anything that I am or have been. And then I will kind of poke out a little bit of uncomfortableness about like what I know women are hiding, what I know, how we manipulate, how I know that we victimize ourselves and how we blame and point fingers and hide behind these masks. And that tends to trigger a lot of anger.
1: What do, you, what do you actually think women want now in 2019? If you could be the voice for women right now, what is that? Like, what do women really want from men?
0: I think we you know women a lot of a lot of times say we want equality but, but I don't think that's true cuz we have equality and we have power I mean we pretty much control the economy
1: yeah 80% of all buying decisions and wellness are women
0: I, you know <laughs> I don't I truly don't know honestly women
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you're like I don't know what women want <laughs>
0: truly um it's funny um I think I think women don't know what they really want. Let's just be honest there.
1: Do you ever have a sense that with the the pace of the narrative changing so fast that women actually need to speak out loud to figure out what they want as time goes on?
0: Yes. I think women have not felt heard truly long enough and felt listened to long enough to truly know what they want. I think, you know, there's studies out there that like... Uh, you know, only 80% of women are having orgasms with intercourse, um, or, or 80% of women are not, are not sorry, having orgasms d- with intercourse. Like they have to stimulate like manually or orally to get a, to get an orgasm. Like that's, that's the, you know, to me, like there's no connection. So without connection, you're not going to have a orgasm, through intercourse
1: i want to go back to the embodiment because you said that you're a scholar and you love to go into the books oh yeah there's this bridge between like the knowing and doing right but there is a part of of you that is beyond just the scholarly and it's not from a place of hurt either like you you used your hurt to motivate you for a while i'm sure as we all do yeah but then you probably got to this place where you don't feel the need now to go and read incessantly because you've been in this embodiment stage for quite some time. I mean, it's why you're working with Czech. It's why I'm so inspired to talk to you. Uh-huh. So, so what is it about you that embodies this quality, uh, the knower, you called it before? What is the embodiment of this self-love, self-appreciation for what you've been through, and then the letting go process, You know, the embodiment of that letting go process of the old past shit? Because that's really where we're at in the conversation. We're talking about emotional intelligence to connect to our primal selves. But when it comes to the physical, it's easier said than done to always be eating healthy foods. But what if it's not about just the macronutrients you're eating? And what if it's more about what's going on deep down in the mitochondria in your cells? It's one thing to eat chicken and broccoli. It's another thing to deliver ashwagandha, spirulina, chlorella, and superfood adaptogens directly into your bloodstream. This is where the micronutrients are delivered. This is where the energy comes from in the mitochondria. And this is why every single day I drink Organifi green juice. I also enjoy the red and the gold, but specifically with the green, these plant adaptogens, the ingredients in Organifi have been proven to potentially aid in stress reduction and energy production. And you can get the discount, the deep one, 20% off. I promise you, I've tried to actually scour the internet for an hour and 20% from Wellness Force was the biggest discount you get out there where you grandfathered in with us to get the biggest savings and the most energy. Just go to Organify.com forward slash Wellness Force and use code Wellness Force for 20% off. The men and women that have heard you have learned how you've gone through, but now that you're at this place where you're teaching and instructing, um, what does that embodiment look like for you now?
0: It's funny, uh, you know. Like I, I've gone through so many stages in my life, but that's always been a part of me. Like I don't, I think even in my on a conscious level and an ego level, uh, in, in different stages of my life, I've been I've worn many masks, but that's always been a part of me of wanting to. I've, I've always wanted to break out of and 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 present and demonstrate this authentic me i've always been as my family calls me the tie-dye sheep of my family i've always been the rebel without a cause well i've always had a cause but to society it's without a cause i've always been the anti or the against the grain the embodiment of me has always just been the truth seeker the truth teller and as I've been diving further and further into past lives, past experiences and ancestral karma and, and and history, I'm finding out like, that's just part of the fabric of my soul. Like that is my soul. Like that's what, that's why my soul chose this family, chose this life because that's what I'm developing because I've, I've always been that in many, many lives. Do you
1: feel like your soul knew that this was the lesson you needed to learn?
0: Oh, for sure. How so? So, well, maybe not so much as the lessons that I needed to learn, but the things I needed to develop and strengthen in order to continue this legacy, to continue this doing of what I needed to do. Like,
1: and what is it that you need to do?
0: I need to share. Like, I need to help others uncover the truth of themselves and so if that means that I need to break open myself over and over and over again publicly and then put myself back together again just so that I can help others achieve the same and let them know that they're not alone then I'm going to do that it's just like very many people who have done the you know I mean I'm not uh comparing myself to other um Crucified heroes, but that many um, the, of those heroes who've done that—that's—it's it's like that. You're you're yeah. being crucified, and then others look to that that hero's journey and and go, that's. They look at the overarching, you know, message there, yeah. and um, it's not about sacrifice. It's about uncovering your truth, and you got to decondition that, break it open, then put yourself back together again whole. And um, you don't do it just once.
1: Yeah. And and there's tools that you've learned specifically, which I didn't know about before we had this conversation. I was doing a little bit of digging on you. Neurosomatic therapy, you talk about these five stages of rehabilitation. What is neurosomatic therapy? And how does that relate to this conversation actually of healing, transformation, and being that light for people that need the healing.
0: Well, neurosomatic therapy, he, my partner does the NST is neurosma- is short for neurosomatic therapy. It sounds like something like you were doing yesterday on Possibly. some sort of level. It works with the body on a somatic level. So it's almost like, um, so it's soft tissue manipulation working with the peripheral nervous system. So that's like, you know, so you've got the central nervous system, peripheral ne- nervous system, and, um, Every, you know, everything that is along the lines of the sensory, your smell, your taste, your sight, your, all the senses, right, that program information
1: mm-hmm.
0: into the limbic system. So if your emotions are attached to any sort of sense, sensory information, it gets stored into the body. And so what NST does is when you have like a tight muscle, say, you know, and your serratus or the, the late levators, and you've just got, you know, you keep injuring your shoulder, you keep injuring the neck or your neck is always tight on the right side. And you have to go to the chiropractor constantly all the time for that. And it's never getting better. Well, NST, what it does is it addresses the muscle, but it, it, it you don't address the, the muscle, you address the person. So it, you know, it's it's going in there and uh, releasing the muscle, but basically releasing the emotions with it.
1: What what is the actual mechanism of? Are you palpating the tissue quickly? Are you are you doing some kind of reiki while you palpate the tissue? Like what's going on when you're actually addressing the spot? It's
0: like all of the above.
1: Okay.
0: Yes. So yeah. you're talking while you're while you're doing. You're asking questions. You're getting feedback. Sometimes people just start laughing. Sometimes they just, a lot of times they start crying.
1: Is part of it where you just hold someone, like where you put their hand, you put your hand on them and just hold them and just send energy to that space on their body?
0: A lot of that is, I do that. Alex does most of like the NST. Now he's very kinesthetically clairvoyant. So what, wherever someone's hurting, like he doesn't even ask questions. He'll just put his hands over the body and he can feel in his body where that person is injured. And then he'll go right over to the body and he'll just start asking questions and he will hear in in his own mind like what this person is like where that trauma came from. Yeah. And um starts working through that. And um uh, people who go to him for the NST have you know he sees a lot of like professional athletes like NFL, um, MMA, UFC go to him. Um, because those are the the type of elite athletes that like just constantly injured, constantly yes. all the time, and they can't afford at the highest level of sport. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're literally seeing what the human body can do.
0: Yeah, and they don't they don't appreciate being injured. <laughs> and <laughs> well, They can't afford to get injured. They don't want to get injured. So any injury, they're like, I'm going to fix this right now, and yeah. they know Alex can take care of it. Very quickly. What's
1: your half of Primal Fusion? Because you guys have this together, mm-hmm. right? Um, do you have staff you work with?
0: It's just he and it's, I.
1: It's you two. So that creates a unique challenge of, of interoperation and being in a marriage. And oh ha- my God. how do you balance all of that?
0: That's like, that's where the spiritual growth grows. Yeah. Like, because being in a relationship and running a business is like, being in a relationship is spiritual growth. Now you add a business in there, that's um, because in the business, I'm the CEO. And in the relationship, he's the CEO. So at the end of the day, we got to switch hats. And if we're like really busy in the business, it's really hard to give him the hat at the end of the day um, or vice versa. So it, it does. It takes, very, it takes a lot of balance. Um, it's, can't say that it's perfect ever, yeah. ever.
1: Why did you call it primal fusion?
0: Because it, basically you're, you're fusing together all of the primal needs you know, without one, like none of them work. So if you don't have your diet in place, exercise isn't gonna work for shit. If you don't have your rest and recovery in place, none of the others are gonna work. If you're not happy, then forget doing any of the other stuff, mm-hmm. like forget it. And if you're not working on yourself, like inner, inner work um, and taking responsibility for that, then like the, just why invest? In all of the other work, it's just you know you're asking for Groundhog's Day. It's just going to keep over and over and over again. You're wasting a lot of money, so it's just that's why you you got to fuse it all together. All your primal needs need to fuse perfectly, be imbalanced for that.
1: Um, I remember when I was talking with Paul, we did like we spent like seven hours at his house. Yeah, he's amazing. yeah, yeah he <laughs> but, does. but there was this one moment that, that, and I feel the same kind of energy with you where he, he talked about, you know, how do we know when our society has, is reaching its demise or it's in trouble? It's when do we stop spending time with ourselves? When do we stop dancing with people? When do we stop telling stories? And when do we lose the mystery of life? Mm-hmm. These primal things, right? Like, what do you see? I'm sure there's a common thread with your clients. Athletes aside, because I think athletes walk a totally different life. Yeah, but but with everyday people that you might meet in regards to these things that are clues that society's reached its demise, what's a common thread with the clients that you're seeing that they don't have enough primal in their lives?
0: Man, the most common. So, well, you asked had asked earlier, like my part in primal fusion. I so Alex works mostly with the athletes majority, um, and or. Men and I work mostly the majority with youth or women. And um, for me, on my side, what I see most, what they're missing, the primal is happiness for real. Like they don't prioritize or understand or believe really the value of happiness. They, you know, like when I try to explain that we're going to program. <laughs> happiness into your work, Yeah, it takes sometimes up to a year with a client to get them to start practicing this because they don't understand the value of this. And when they are getting upset because they're still six pounds away from where they want to be, I have to hammer it in like, well, because you're not happy. And if you're not happy doing anything that you're doing, how can you expect any return?
1: But Sarah, what about calories in, calories out?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> calories in, calories out. Like that can happen. Like that can work for some people, um, you know, in the very beginning, uh, just because on a physiological level, of course, if you have a lot of weight to lose, like just physiologically, that's impossible to not work. But if you're talking about somebody who's 20 pounds overweight and they've been d- going at this for a while and they're just stuck at this plateau. Like mentally and emotionally, if you're just like hating every bite you take and stressing out every single time you're prepping your food or going to the grocery store and then you got to count your points and then you got to get like get on your fitness tracker app app. (laughs) and you're (laughs) like, what the fuck are you doing? Like that's the energy you're putting into your food and that's the energy you're putting into your body and that's what you're supposed to like... That's the energy you're putting into your energy.
1: Isn't it intoxicating though to the ego? Because I felt it. I know millions of people have felt it. Like if there's the tracking element involved, if I'm doing everything I can, Mm -hmm. well, then it should work. Right. And if it doesn't work, then, well, I'm just destined to be this way. Well, that way the ego can be right. But I think what scares the ego the most is... I'm not going to follow a guide. I'm going to be intuitive. I'm going to listen on the fly and adjust on the fly. That's There's no PDF for that. No. There's no PDF for that. And I think the only way that it happens is when you get guidance from someone to walk you the, on that path.
0: That is the scariest part for a lot of people, which is why I think happiness part of the program is... If- fought with so much resistance is because you're being handed basically this box that says, you're the most powerful person you have. You're the most, like you are in control of your life and every decision you make, you have the power. Like you are the creator And you can make anything happen that you want to happen. And some people are so afraid of that power that they don't want it. Because they are afraid that once they recognize and embody that power, now they're responsible for it. And when they're responsible for it, shit, they could fail.
1: Damn, I've never heard it explained like it's the responsibility of our power that people yes. are afraid of as to why they don't harness it.
0: Yes, and that's the same thing that with women in relationships, the reason they don't want to face their truth in relationships and what the what the, how they oppress men, how they emasculate men, is they don't want to face the fact that they are so powerful that they have actually contributed to the emasculation of men, that they are so powerful that they have attributed to their own victimization. And so that's, that's really a difficult truth to face.
1: I just got like a chill in my, I had to readjust my posture <laughs> when you were talking because um, I'm sure we all can relate to this. Someone will say something and it'll strike the body with such an emotion that there has to be like a physical adjustment. And that's, Mm -hmm. I I felt like I needed a physical adjustment. You said that because I, my sense is that there's two sides of the coin right now in relationships, specifically, we'll just talk about men and women, even though any relationship can be any sex, hetero, homosexual, whatever. But we'll just say for the sake of this conversation, um, heterosexual relationships my sense is that there's so much wounding from men from the mother and from women from the father, maybe not being there, whatever it is, our whole adult lives, whether we're talking about it or not on an on a under energetic current level, we're all healing. We're all healing day by day, relationship by relationship. Look what happened with you and your husband this morning with the car. It's like, yeah. you know, we're all doing this. So my question for you is, with that long-winded pre-frame, um, for people that are beginning this journey, like they're in a relationship and they're maybe just coming into episode, this is their first episode of Wellness Force, and they're like, "What is she talking about? <laughs> what, <the fuck laughs> what is, is, she is this about? energy and all this stuff?" <laughs> but but what's interesting is that um, I, I value you, I value your input because of what you've been through and what you've created and what you're doing now. And so for those people listening that are starting this journey of, how do I actually open up this kind of a conversation with my spouse Mm -hmm. from a woman or a man's perspective? Like the starting point of the conversation you and I are having, Mm -hmm. how do they take that and put it into their relationship for the first time?
0: Uh, Well, you got to start with, well, Mm. it it would be almost, I would say you have to start with yourself first because you have to be able to have... You, you need to be able to ha- be brutally honest with yourself before you open that conversation with somebody else in your relationship. Because if you're not willing to get your partner's feedback, um, that means that you're not being honest with yourself. So f- step one, you got to be honest with yourself. So if you're in a relationship with somebody... Um, and your partner is triggering you and you're, you know, he's not meeting my needs. He's not, he, he's making me feel this way. He's not listening to me and he's doing blah, 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 blah. And you're, you're feeling very victimized. And, you know, he, you, you've got a huge list of everything that's wrong with him and why he's victimizing you or oppressing you or, you know, he's all these bad things. And on that list, you have to be brutally honest with yourself first before you take the conversation to him Because number one, he's not responsible for your happiness. You are. So you got to ask yourself uh, on all these lists of things that is wrong with him. First question is, is that true? (laughs) No matter what it is that's wrong with him, you have to ask, is that true? Number two, does he have an opposing perspective that is equally true? And the truth is, yes, he does. And it is equally true, and it is equally valid. So that's, that's probably the number one way women emasculate men is because we act as though our feelings and needs trump theirs. Because women also still walk around on the conditioned belief that men's feelings and needs don't matter because they're men. They They can handle it. Yeah, they shouldn't have needs and feelings. They're logical. So therefore, we're going to use and manipulate our needs and feelings by saying, you know, crying or tears or this is how I feel, right? So be logical about this, right? And be a man and support my feelings and needs. But in doing that, we have just neglected and trumped their needs and feelings but guess what they have feelings and needs and they are just as valuable and equal so that's number two you need to be brutally honest with yourself and ask yourself (laughs) do they have an opposing need or feeling or or view that is equally true yeah and that's that and if that is the case then that's a conversation to be had, not argued. And and then you gotta ask yourself, like, what is my motivation? Do I have a motivation behind these feelings? And what is the belief behind these feelings? And what is missing? What is missing with this belief? Like there's a belief behind here, what's missing?
1: Yeah, like you're this way because I believe that men are this way, so I'm gonna project that onto you. Is mm-hmm. that kind of an example you're talking about? Yeah. An example might be like, we all are coming from this heavy imprint from zero to seven. So if a father's always gone and he only comes like, I don't know, a handful of times a year, well then if the man in a relationship is ever gone or he's taking care of responsibilities, maybe even if he's communicated it properly, it's still not received because there's that zero through seven imprinting that's being applied to the current situation.
0: Right. It's getting filtered. And just like my argument this morning with my partner, Everything he was saying. I love how
1: honest you're being. Yeah, <laughs> you're warning.
0: Like, like I'm just like that's what I, that's how I am. Like I I can coach and 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 be a therapist all day long, but that doesn't negate me or like omit me from conflicts in my life. Yeah. So I'm going to be very authentic and transparent about those things. And, and what a perfect way to have examples <laughs> in real life for how these things come up. But with this this conflict that we had, it everything he was saying to me was being filtered through these dialogues and these narratives in my mind and I had to go through this list of these questions and it was so difficult and he even came back and said to me can you tell me something positive before I leave for my podcast and I had to tell him well truthfully I I'm having a hard time saying something positive right now I'm all jumbled up in my mind and you know we've got three kids running around ah. and so he's like okay you know and then he just left and then you know when he got back we're just we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing nothing happened and we're like, you know, having a good time and have a great conversation, but the truth is it all gets like filtered through our own narratives and women what we do is we expect men to think the way we think. And that's that's impossible. Men think with one side of the brain at a time. And women, we are able to think with two sides of our brain at the same time. That's why we are so good at manipulating We truly are. And that's another way you need to be like women. I'm saying you, like, as in you women Mm -hmm. who are listening to this, need to be very brutally honest with yourself, is because you, I'm not saying like all women do this maliciously. We do this like unconsciously, we manipulate. Because we can be logical and emotional at the same time. And when you weave those things together...
1: Oh, God. This is the mystery for me. This has been my learning curve of the feminine. And actually, something that came up yesterday, I mean, you've shared, so I'll share too. Like, what came up for me yesterday that I thought I had done a lot of work on was my anger towards the feminine. Yeah. Like, it came out. And I realized it was because um, when I was young, like zero through seven, my mom was dealing with a disease, bipolar. Mm -hmm. And so... um, Yeah. And so it was hard for me to like wow. have a emotional center of like, is this okay? Is that okay? So there was never actually a calm space. And then I flashed forward and I could see it all in reverse where in my, you know, adolescence, I gained weight as a buffer because food became a way for me being in control. Yeah. And then that led me to being overweight, which then women didn't like overweight kids, of course. Right. And, and because I think we all, it's not that they don't like overweight people. It's that we sense when someone's overweight that they're processing something. And so it might not be as attractive. So that led me to, to having this bullshit belief that women only like men that have a perfect body. Women only like men that are this, have, make this much money. Women only like men that have this kind of a house or this kind of a network, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I realized looking back, like that drove so many of my decisions in my life was just trying to like get back at the feminine. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if men are being honest with themselves, half the men in the United States would raise their hands right now or more. yeah. Because there's almost like this badge of honor where I've slept with this many women. I, I got her, man, you see that? And it's like, it's like a yeah. braggart thing. And I really just like cried yesterday in the session. I just let a bunch of, it felt so amazing. But at the same time, it was really hard to let go of because there was a part of my ego that identified with that anger. Yeah, it identified like, oh, well, I'm always going to have the upper hand and be in control because I say so, and I don't need to say so anymore. And it's funny, I'm going to Rhythmia tomorrow to go have a plant medicine experience for a week, and I thought it was like perfect timing. I didn't know the conversation was going to go this way,
0: but I <laughs> thought, like,
1: I thought, like, this is very contextual to what you and I are talking about. Yeah, um, it's it's the deep down. Soul fabric getting down in there it doesn't make me less of a man to talk like this. It actually makes me an even more powerful man, which is what women want. Now, this narrative though might spark some people as saying, like, whoa, that's a little too deep. And how do you even go there in your sessions? Do you ever take people to that kind of a place? Oh, yeah, like yes. where they're crying, where they're shaking, yes, they're hacking out phlegm, yes, possibly,
0: yes. What I do mean, you
1: call that? What is it? Release. <laughs> right release it's so amazing yet it's so hard
0: yeah i mean a lot of working with women a lot of times when they work with me they get angry that's when when they get angry that's them resisting the emotion they don't want the emotional release because there's so much shame, embarrassment and of like letting charge. it go. Yeah, they don't want to there. let it go. And the reason they don't wanna let it go, and a lot of women are gonna get upset with me when I say this, because a lot of women do, and I get accused very often of victim shaming and victim blaming because of this. And it's so not the opposite. That What this is, is victim empowerment, y'all. It's victim empowerment because you have to realize, like, if you are a victim, the rising up from that, that's that's the part of this. So um, the, these women get so mad when when we get to that part of right there on the edge and you're about to release, then they get mad at me. And I allow it. I know, I understand where that's coming from because that's when they project. They project because withheld emotion if you withhold it or like trap it inside for long enough, it turns into anger because that it charges, like you said, it gets charged for long enough. Like it builds up, it becomes anger. Then it becomes resentment. And you know, when you hold on to anger, everybody knows that saying it's, it's like drinking your own poison and expecting the other person to die. And so um, it's not victim blaming. It's not victim shaming if you don't want that to be released, you are choosing to be the victim. You're hiding behind the mask of a victim and choosing to be a victim so that you can blame the victim mask and, and blame the whatever has victimized you for your problems. And that is nothing but choosing to be powerless.
1: I want to pause right there because that was a big concept.
0: Mm-hmm. It is big.
1: So what, what I'm hearing you say is that when someone, we're speaking, let's say uh, using a woman as an example, has had atrocious things happen, mm-hmm. she can choose to hold on to that anger and, and use that anger to charge basically all the functions of her life. I mean, yes. the anger can run every decision. Yes. Her business, how she inter- operates with her husband, like how clean her house is, everything, what color tiles she picks.
0: How she raises I her mean, children, anything. everything.
1: So at some point though like the wheels will fall off the wagon and it typically shows up in a health perspective, like weight gain or hormonal imbalance or skin or something like that. Um, Is there a point when, is it unique to each person when they know they're at that point? Or is it pretty much everybody reaches a certain point where enough is enough? Because I've seen some people not reach that point.
0: It it is unique to each person. Uh, There are people who will not ever reach that point. There are people who get, that are just trapped in that forever. Um, it will show up as obesity. Um, obesity is a form of protecting your body. So a lot of people end up in obesity because they are, they are either consuming a lot of drugs and alcohol or food to protect their body, to protect their soul, literally their soul. It's, it's a very unconscious thing. So they're protecting themselves. And um, the deeper and deeper and deeper you get into that, the harder and harder it is to get out. So, I mean, it's it's a life sentence for so many people.
1: I just feel like right now, like, can you and I both just give people a deep breath and the permission, if this is sparking something in them, to write to you? Like right now.
0: Absolute permission. If if you've
1: been listening to this and you're feeling like the deep breath that I just felt, just write to Sarah. Where can they write to you?
0: Sarah, S-A-R-A at primalfusionhealth.com.
1: Yeah. Because the first
0: thing you need to give yourself permission is to to take that deep breath.
1: Take the damn deep breath. Yeah. And this is how I want to wrap our time together. Um, I wish I had more time with you. I want to yeah. do another conversation with you.
0: Let's do this another one. This, this,
1: this, this was deep, but I feel like we go a lot deeper.
0: Uh, we can go way deeper. I, think I sense so. that. That's what she said.
1: consensually um, (laughs) with permission um i'm about to do this breath work event here in san diego here in encinitas we have we have soma breath coming with wellness Forest. there's going to be like 50 people in a room we're going to be doing really unique breathing styles which i'm so excited for yet at the same time energetically i'm already kind of holding space for it because i know i know there's going to be people crying i know there's going to be people processing things how do you see breathwork? It seems like right now it's evolving pretty fast. A lot of people are getting into breathwork. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be really cautious right now that that skilled practitioners are doing breathwork, people with history, people with the acumen to hold the space mm-hmm. energetically. How do you see breathwork in your practice and, and how do you see breathwork unfolding in wellness?
0: Um, well, you know, I've seen it two ways. There's always two, two sides of the coin. Like I said, watch out for those STDs. Uh, spiritual, tr- spiritually transmitted diseases. You know, there's always hype and stuff. You know, and just um, again, it, if it doesn't feel right. Ask yourself why it doesn't feel right. There's a lot of practitioners out there. There's a lot of people out there who are amazing with this stuff, but there's also people out there who are just following the hype and saying like, "I can teach you how to breathe. I can teach you how to do this stuff." Now, Alex, you know he he's a very skilled breath practitioner. He's amazing. You know he's he's taught very many uh, breathing classes and, and things like that, and um, he's had other people take his stuff and then go and start workshops off mm. of his stuff and then he went and saw that he was those people were teaching it wrong. And it it hurts him not because someone you know basically took his stuff because it's not his stuff it's breathing right but that someone was teaching it incorrectly and then that you know so What I feel about this is like in terms of holding space for this stuff and and different breathing practices is that first, just make sure you are breathing correctly. Right. Diaphragmatic breathing. If you're not breathing diaphragmatically, any type of breath workshop won't work. Right. Like we, we had a client who went to a Wim Hof workshop overseas. And I've um, heard
1: interesting things about those workshops. Yeah. Good and bad.
0: Right. Yeah. A, a lot of people who were not getting the full benefit of this workshop were because they actually didn't know how to breathe to begin with. And so, you know.
1: Because Wim, Wim just says, breathe in and breathe out. Don't worry about it. He's been on multiple podcasts right. and he says, just get the air in and get the air out. It's like, no. No. You
0: could yeah. be
1: doing all chest breathing. You're right. never getting down to your belly button.
0: Right. Yeah. So be sure you're breathing actually diaphragmatically. But full breath is like, I, I really do. I, am excited about this workshop you're doing too. Cause I think I wish you could join us. Yeah, me too. What, when, when is it? It's
1: on March 30th. Oh yeah.
0: This,
1: this show will be out by the time yeah. I'll be already back from Rhythmia by the time this comes out.
0: Oh, I'm excited about Rhythmia too. Cause I, I've heard really great things about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, Cause literally every cell in your body needs oxygen and most of us are not providing all of that oxygen <laughs> to our cells and especially the ones in our lower extremities and and a lot of our trauma is stored in our reproductive area which is below the belly button and that's where we're not getting most of our breath out and especially that's where we're not expiring our breath from so a lot of these breathing exercises help us to expire the breath out and that means like really contracting your lower abdominals. And that helps to release a lot of our trauma, a lot of our shame, a lot of, our, you know, de- deconstruct our conditioning around that, our sexual and trauma. When I say trauma, I mean like our, our conditioning, our thoughts and what we're taught. And um, so I, I think that's great because it helps us to express ourselves. It helps us to like Hone into our authentic selves. It helps us to um, uncover our masculinity, our femininity, and it helps us to move and helps your posture, helps your confidence. Yeah, I mean, all those things.
1: Well, how do you think that breath work is going to develop in the next year? or So, I mean, you don't have a crystal ball. I'm not saying I need you to project, but what do you see, at least in Austin? Because I see it here in San Diego a lot. Yeah, where there's breath work popping up everywhere. Yeah. Do you think that it needs to be regulated? Do you think that breathwork needs to have some kind of governance or do you think that would taint it?
0: I th- I think it would taint it. Um I don't think it needs to be regulated. I do think just like, you know, any, you know, certification, yeah. there there should be some sort of like
1: because with personal training, there's certifications and trainings yeah. that, that are accredited, but there's no accredited breathwork training. So no. I mean, maybe there is. If you're listening and there is, please email me. Like yeah. I've never heard of an accredit of accreditation or no. QC of a breathwork.
0: No, course. or some sort of certification of completion
1: mm-hmm.
0: at least. Um, because yeah, that we've seen people being taught wrong, like literally backwards rhythm of breathing uh we've we've seen that we've seen um breathing workshops being taught for bodybuilders using belts like like how do you how do you even breathe when you're wearing a belt (laughs) like i we've seen this so like in some ways like we we don't like to have the whole like everything needs to be regulated but on some level like there needs to be some sort of you know Oversight, a little bit, yeah. you know, or, or just more education and um, a little oversight of the education and, and the more education, the better. And so, um, but, you know, that goes back to spiritual activism. You know, the more you're activating, the more you're you're creating violence. And so, the way to shift it is to just influence. So, just more influence, the better.
1: Yeah. And in order to influence, there has to be a true, genuine being yes. to influence. Yeah, because I think right now in our age of social media, it's easy to see influencers, yeah. but are they being an in influence? Yeah, it's totally different.
0: And that goes back to STDs again. <laughs>
1: it's more STDs. I yeah. love your acronyms. We're gonna link <laughs> all these in the show notes today. Um, <laughs> I have this final question for you, and again, like we have to do this again. Like I really mean yeah. that. Um, it's this intersection of the the physical, the emotional, the wellness. This is mm-hmm. like where we're all trying to be is at this point. How do you see wellness now? Everything you've learned, all the uh, learning thresholds of your life, how would you define wellness?
0: Wellness for me is am I aligned with my physical body, mental body, emotional body, and my spiritual body? Like, are those in alignment? And if they're not, then I'm not well. And so, Often for me, my mental body is always just like hypercharged, hyperactive, and the physical and the emotional and the spiritual suffer. Spiritual is always charged, like that's the fire that drives me. And then the mental body is always taking all the energy of everything, because I'm constantly thinking, I'm constantly learning and and all of that. And so it steals from my physical and emotional bodies, and it creates this storm of like i'm not allowed to process I'm, I'm not able to process my emotions therefore i'm not able to express my emotions in a healthy way and physically i'm just drained and you know so that's that's what wellness is to me so if those are off or one's stealing from the other I need to check myself, <laughs> like <laughs> before I wreck myself. <laughs> so yes. physically, like if I'm not putting as much energy into my physical body as I am into the mental, then you know I need to put the you know computer and books down and yeah. and go move, go dance, go do some drumming and harmonize myself, and that's wellness to me. And to think and and believe and feel and say and do all in alignment, you know, like, believe, and think what I say, and, and all of those what I do, like, and never backwards. So anything I put out there, or write, or say, like, you better believe, like, that's what I'm also doing. That's why I'm always very transparent about my personal life, because it keeps me in check. Absolutely keeps me in check. And I'm, I'm very, like, I'm very avid about that. And I, I'm like, you know, my thoughts and my beliefs and my words and my actions, they need to be a straight line. Because if there's a little blip in there, that means I'm off. And that's going to create a disease in my body. And I, I truly believe that. And I'm, I'm not fucking around in this life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, how do you pronounce your last name? Gustafson. Gustafson. Sarah Gustafson. PrimalFusionHealth.com is the website.
0: Yeah. Primal Fusion Health. Yeah.
1: Primal Fusion Health. Thank you for doing what you do.
0: You're welcome.
1: I just want to breathe and acknowledge that. You do such great work in the world.
0: Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Lots of
1: gratitude. And thanks for being such a great member of the Wellness Force community. You're always in there communicating, dropping your knowledge, like just so much gratitude for you. And um, I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your husband even more. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thanks. And uh, I look forward to our next time and hearing about uh, Rhythmia. That's right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, We're talking about this in the group, actually. And I would love to do a survey of maybe like five or six topics of Sarah and I in the Wellness Force group. So go there, wellnessforce.com forward slash group. And until we talk to you again, which is going to be really soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me today. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 200 world-class guests and counting, we've distilled the gems, the best of the best science-backed practices, down into a 21-minute morning system guaranteed to increase the positive flow in your day. Get this free and powerful 21-minute life-changing system over at wellnessforce.com forward slash m 21 If you enjoyed this episode, tap your phone. Share it with someone you care about because that is how we all get better together. Supporting the show is easy. Leave us a five-star review right now from your phone. It helps us reach other smart and conscious people like you. Either tap your phone and hit the link in purple that says review this podcast or go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. And this show doesn't stop here. We're continuing the discovering process in our private Facebook group. You can be a part of it. All you have to do is go to wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I'll welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and live your life well. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.